Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Little known fact about my guest today, you know him as the composer and lyricist of the Broadway hit, Be More Chill, but I want you to remember these titles as well. Broadway Bounty Hunter, Blood Song of Love, The Black Suits, Rewrite, We the People, Hunter S. Thompson Musical, and Love in Hate Nation, because very soon, all of those titles are going to be equally popular and beloved by everyone who loves musical theater. Welcome, Joe Icon to the podcast. I am not Joe Iconis, but this is Joe hey. Iconis. Hey, guys and gals. This is so incredible, and I'm going to do that thing they do at auctions. They're like, let me take care of business for a minute. There are so many people I want to thank. First and foremost, Joe Iconis, and our very special guest star, Lauren Marcus, who will be performing... Yeah. The W Hotel Times Square is so incredibly devoted to the Broadway community that they have created this space for us to come and commune and celebrate the artists that we love and that I am a part of this in a small way in getting to share the people that inspire me every day. I cannot tell you the gratitude I feel. I also want to let you know that the people working behind the bar and the servers tonight are the loveliest humans on the planet. So I think there's lots of ways to show love, but I think tonight tipping would be a really appropriate way to do it. It's the best way. Yes. And to 42.7, who produced these nights, and John Zaytoon, my dear friend, who I could not do any of this without him. Um, And I just want to shout out to my daughter, who wrote my show music and sings it uh, on my podcast, because I'm really proud of her. And... um, She's uh, the next generation of musical theater writers. So to Georgia and to all of you, thank you for spending your Sunday night with us. Joe. Alana. I feel like we're getting Joe Iconis on one of... uh, I I can't think if I had asked him to come even three weeks after I invited you to come, Mm -hmm. it would have been a long shot to get (laughs) you here uh, because the expression, the busiest man in show business, I believe actually applies to you at this moment. Yeah. I have been investing a lot of time in my adult life and maybe in my childhood to musical theater writers like yourself. And the great Stephen Sondheim is someone I love very much and his musicals meant the world to me. And something that you and Stephen, my buddy Stephen, share (laughs) um, is a love of the rhyme. You are very devoted to something called the rhyme. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to think Are there any musicals that we love and stay with us forever? And we have the great Jen Tepper in the audience, so she might be the friend that we call. Um, 
if there are composers and lyricists less devoted or ruled by rhymes in the musicals that they write, but why do we want them to rhyme? What is that that is so satisfying? You know, I, it's a very personal... Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be personal so a, early. Yeah. In the, I'm so <laughs> yeah. sorry. What it's I like mean a very is... intimate thing, my relationship <laughs> with rhyme. Uh, you know, for me, I just think that rhyme uh, makes things easier to understand. You know, in musical theater, I think the idea is that you're hearing... Um, you're In a perfect world, you're hearing the material for the first time as you receive the art, right? So it's yes. like the first time you're hearing the lyrics, um, uh, you're in, 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 a, in a perfect world, the first time you'd be hearing the lyrics in a scene would be the first time you're seeing the scene, right? So um, I, I'm of the belief that lyrics should be easy to understand. Uh, you shouldn't be questioning them as they're happening, and I think that rhyme helps that. I think that rhyme, um, you know, uh, if uh, if you know, oh, this this word is rhyming with this word, it just it's it's easier to wrap your brain around something that's sure. coming at you fast and furious. And so that's to me the sort of like no brain reason why rhyme uh, makes sense in yes. theater. Just makes it easier to understand. Yes. So if we all spoke in rhyme most of the time, maybe we would, especially upon first meeting, mm -hmm. it would be a good way to meet each other. For sure, yeah. I think that, um, you know, people, uh, I feel like uh, dating would be easier for yeah. people. If There's got to be an app. If people just spoke in rhyme. <laughs> the rhyming bumble yeah. bagel. R rhyming bumble bagel yeah. app. Yeah. yeah. I've been married so long that I'm sure none of those things are actually at all the names of, like, I thought I just made a joke that would be accessible, and other than Sweet Lauren, nope, <laughs> not, I got nothing. Not to belabor the obsession with rhymes, but I know that Sondheim was also saying that the um, rhyming anthology that he uses mm -hmm. is actually from the 1950s because even though more words exist now, mm -hmm. uh, those particular volumes have the words going this way and it's easier for him to scan as he's going down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe... Steve uses Google now. I don't know. But what do you use as, what rhyming dictionary do you use or do you favor or is it all right here, Joe Iconis? It's, um, you know, I would love to be able to say that I use this very specific rhyming dictionary. Uh, like Dog-eared with like a leather Yeah, cover, yeah. from like 1922 nope. and it was passed down and it was like Yip Harbor. The family rhyming dictionary. dictionary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, but I just, I use Rhyme Zone, okay. which is so embarrassing. For you kids at home, Rhyme Zone. Yeah, it's a website. It's very easy to use. It's super user friendly. I don't. I wish I had a sexier answer. It's all right. I for think that. Rhyme Zone sounds sexy. Maybe if we said it in another language, like in French, it would mm -hmm. be really sexy. Like Rhyme Zone. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's good. <laughs> yeah. Well. I think most people here, other than a few hotel guests who are joining us tonight, and thank you, you had no idea when you came to the bar that you are going to be part of a live podcast, so thank you all for being here and for staying. Yeah. Um, Thanks, guys. Those four people may not know about Be More Chill. Be More Chill is a musical that is really a miraculous, inspiring story that if someone set out to try to do it, it would never work. Mm -hmm. It had to be organic and made from love. And when organic, made from love things succeed, it makes all of us feel better about the world that we're in. I think I speak for all of us when I say that. But I would love if you could tell a truncated version of why Be More Chill is going to be on Broadway in just a few months, and how this like little Broadway show that could 
is a global sensation. Yeah, yeah. So Be More Chill is a show that uh, myself and my collaborator Joe Trace uh, wrote many years, not many years ago, but several years ago. Uh, we adapted it from a novel by Ned Vizzini, the late great Ned Vizzini. And uh, it was a show that premiered at Two River Theater, which is a little theater in Red Bank, New Jersey, in 2015. And we hoped that it was gonna go from Red Bank to uh, a, a fancy off-Broadway theater in New York. That didn't happen. It seemed like the show was dead after we played for our four-week scheduled run in New Jersey. And then um, we recorded a cast album uh, after the Jersey production. and. And uh, through some sort of miracle that is unexplained, the, the cast album for the show sort of became this like viral sensation uh, in spring of 2017, so like last spring. And because of the uh, sort of phenomenon of the cast album, we were able to parlay that into an off-Broadway production of the show, which we did this past summer. The off-Broadway production uh, sort of exceeded everyone's expectations, and because of the excitement around that off-Broadway production, uh, we've been able to go to Broadway with the show. So that's that's sort of the, the shortest, least complicated perfect, version right? of that the Be More really Chill story. Yeah, thanks. For those of us who were lucky enough to see it at the Signature Theater this summer, it was very much a reminder of those of us who were lucky enough to see Hamilton at the public. It It's something that you got to sort of be there uh, at this very seminal moment for it, knowing in your heart that it probably would go on to become something extraordinary, which it has. And I felt this summer at the signature that it was very much like that, that we got to be inside the thing. The train was leaving the station and we were <laughs> lucky enough to have a seat, is what it felt like to me. And I guess, you know, I mentioned my daughter was here tonight and, and so many people here just love musicals and there's something about them that they really connect to very deeply. Not that pop music or country music or classical or opera and lots of other forms don't do, but there is something about musical theater that really speaks certainly to the people who are here tonight, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, but I think it takes a very confident person to kind of pull a chair up to the table that is musical theater and say, I have something to offer. I think I have a voice that's original and I think I have something to say that I would like to share. And my question for you is, as I am a parent raising children who I hope will be confident enough to say what they want to say out loud, mm -hmm. when did you go like, I have something to say and I'm not shy anymore, I'm gonna say it out loud? Um, you know, it's so it's so funny because when I when I was a kid, I was a fairly uh, I was a fairly reserved kid. I was like the world's nicest kid. Uh, I was um, I was you know I would say like you know shy-ish. You know um, I was not shy around like my immediate family, but around anyone else who was not my immediate family, I was sort of like a, you know I was like a quiet, uh, quite plump little child. And so um, I wasn't like the sort of like you know um, I wasn't this like sort of huge personality, right? I wasn't. Um, a particularly confident young man, but I was sort of raised um, with a very loving, very large Italian family who really told me constantly that I was like the best thing that ever existed. <laughs> My family was like so supportive um, in such a crazy way that I think I had this sort of like innate confidence. So even if I wasn't like super, um, you know, even if I wasn't super confident in my in my day-to-day -day life, I always sort of believed that like, oh, when the time comes, I'm gonna have 
have something to offer this world, you know? And so I kind of, um, I sort of found, I found my voice as a writer at the same time as I was kind of fi finding my, uh, my uh, who I was as a as a man, you know, in uh, in undergrad, I was kind of like uh, sort of neither here nor there. Just uh, I, I was sort of like floating by, right? And so then when I got to grad school, I went to the NYU Musical Theater Writing Program. As I kind of developed as a as a writer and sort of felt like, oh, this is the way I kind of want to exist in the world of musical theater. It went hand in hand with like, oh, this is the way I want to exist in the world uh, as a guy, you know. Um, and so my musical theater voice was so closely tied to who I was as a person. Um, and I felt like I kind of like, I sort of bloomed in both areas at the same time. Well, not to harp on the word plump, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not anymore. Like you don't present as a bigger person. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> you're a little, little person. That's, no, yeah. I mean, it's, it's only relevant because, because <laughs> at some point, you changed your outward appearance. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and was that something you actually put a concerted effort into doing, or did it come out of like a health thing where you're like, I don't feel healthy? What was the shift? Yeah, sort of. I mean, I, um, you know, I was always a very large, uh, large fella for most of my life. And uh, as I said, I have a big Italian family who are very wonderful um, and who uh, really enjoy when uh, people around them eat a lot, which, you know, which yeah. I did and, for that. and do, yeah. Yes. Um, and so I was just always quite, quite large. And so when I, um, when I was in, you know, I sort of like late in undergrad, I definitely hit this point where I was like, ah, I don't, I don't want to, I, I don't feel like my myself, you know, I felt unhealthy. Right. Uh, and so I, I tried to, you know, just like drop some pounds and it just kind of kept, uh, kept going. So yeah, I lost like a lot of weight and I don't, I don't know. And it's sort of, it was all kind of tied with this, uh, this sort of like transformation of who I was. And, you know, of course it was all connected. It didn't feel like super intentional at the time. Like it wasn't like, you know, oh, I'm going to lose 90 pounds and I'm going to, you know, become more assertive and I'm going to, um, you know, the, uh, become a musical theater writer. Like it right. wasn't, but that all sort of happened in the same few years. But that's sure. the narrative. It's, that's yeah. what happened. Yeah, and that's that was what your story. Yeah. I know that you've told, because I've had the great fortune of having you on my show before. Yes. Little known fact. <laughs> um, you talk about Little Shop of Horrors as being mm -hmm. like a big introduction for you of uh, the kind of, maybe was that the first musical you saw? Yeah. And September 27th, 1987. Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> um, so from then on, who, yeah. were, who were the writers and what were other musicals that you fell in love with uh, within the genre as you started to grow? Yeah, well, so, so my um, so so Little Shop was my first show. So I I had seen the movie because the movie came out before the uh, original production at the Orpheum closed, right? So I had seen the movie. I loved the movie. I saw a commercial for the Orpheum production. I was like, I want to see that. And so my father took me uh, for my sixth birthday to see uh, Little Shop at the Orpheum, and um, and so that was that that was sort of like what I knew of as musical theater. I also liked the the Muppets a lot. I liked the Muppets Take Manhattan. So yes. I guess like the first two. Uh, musicals that I really loved and was familiar with was, was Little Shop and Muppets Take Manhattan. Um, and then the two shows I saw after Little Shop, uh, uh, my amazing Aunt Ro took me to. Is she here? She's right there. Yeah, Aunt Ro. Hey, my godmother. Shout out to Aunt Ro. Yeah. Um, she took me to uh, Anything Goes. 
at Lincoln Center, the Patti LuPone revival, but Patti LuPone had left so I, at, by that time. So I saw Leslie Uggams. Uh, I think I made out well. Uh, uh, and, uh, and Into the Woods, I also saw. And so it was like Little Shop of Horrors, Anything Goes, Into the Woods. Um, and I, I always feel like I'm so lucky that those were like the first three shows yes. that I saw. Yes. You know, and I think like really all three of those kind of inform, um, really informed who, I, who I've become as a, as a writer, you know? Well, Malcolm Gladwell talks so much about 10,000 hours, mm-hmm. right? Putting in our time, but also this thing of luck. Like you were born at the exact right moment in terms of the kind of musical theater that was happening for your generation and Mm -hmm. your access to it and living on Long Island, so mm-hmm. it's on Long Island, I've learned. It is, uh, yeah. You say on Long Island, right? On Long Ambrose, Island. am I correct? Yeah. Um, and to get to come in and see it at that, like it all has to happen in that exact way. Yeah, and you know, sometimes I even think about how uh, I lucked out having the birthday of September 22nd because I saw Little Shop five days after my birthday yeah. and Little Shop closed in November of that year and so I always think about like oh man like what if my what if my birthday was in December yeah. and by the time I would have been like oh I want to see Little Shop of Horrors it would have been closed already you'd be an accountant I would like yeah. the whole thing would have been completely I, different no I know I know yeah if we could you are uh crazily uh, prolific. Like, you're such a prolific writer. Mm-hmm. I, I, if you guys were able to hear <laughs> my, um, my intro, I named at least seven musicals that we're all going to be seeing in our lifetime and loving, if Jen Tepper has anything to say about it, among many others. Uh, and I'm sure there's more in your catalog, both in a literal notebook and in your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if we were to kind of get to be a fly on the wall in the room where you write... Yeah. What does it look like? Um, the the room, <laughs> the, the room, room where it happens. Yeah. Which are cafes or you, literally, or it could be anywhere. Yeah, I mean the room, the room where I write is a room that is constantly changing and growing. You know, it's like uh, I'm a very messy writer, and so I tend to write um, not just in my apartment. You know, not just in my home. Uh, I, I love to write in public spaces. You know, I love I love to write at coffee shops or bars or um, really the thing for me that's the most helpful is when there's like noise happening in the. Well, background. we're in the right place right <laughs> no, now. I know. Would you yeah, like yeah. to write a musical? Joke? <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. called bright oh, lights. That's right. Live gaiety. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, but I always, I find it so helpful if there's like a slight distraction sort of off in the distance. So are you not singing out loud as you write? Um, sometimes I am. I but just don't, I don't care about who's around me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just, so I, I just, this past week I was in um, Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, and oh, we I, know. We all followed your story. We know yeah, everything yeah. you did. Perhaps yeah. you've seen the photos. Yes. yes. Uh, and so we were, you know, uh, my wife Lauren and I were at a, at a hotel and so I found myself working on um, one of the many shows I'm working on in the mornings um, before we sort of started our day in the hotel lobby and I was definitely singing and speaking uh, you know fully out loud as I was writing um, and I feel like it, here in New York no one cares like yeah. it's you know I think like in New they York they care if you're not exa- yeah exactly They're worried. it's like what's wrong with that I quiet reading guy? the paper yeah. <laughs> yeah security right it's like yeah. what is he planning over there yeah um, but in I felt like in Charleston South Carolina people were slightly like why is that guy screaming about punk rock music 
at his computer all by himself. Why is he? I want to know. Yeah. Um, Which was that from? That particular ditty is going to be. It's going to be. um, It's it's part of a project that I'm not allowed to talk about. No, it's just us. It's just a few hundred people. It's one of the. That's okay. It's it's this gig. Yeah, we're gonna. You'll you'll find out about it soon enough. But you know what's exciting? When when we go see this, because we will, Mm -hmm. and there's a punk rock song or a nod to punk rock, we're gonna all feel like. I know, I know. Yeah, I You're remember. Gonna, he was writing that in South yeah, Carolina. That's I right. I know that. Yeah. You, do you want to know about that one? Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. When, everyone, when everyone goes to see Deadpool the Musical in 2021, <laughs> they're like, oh, man, I said the name. Iconis did it. No. So you start <laughs> with, we know you like to rhyme. Mm-hmm. We know there's a rhyme in two-player game yeah. that you're... Not a hundred percent sure of. Yes. Yeah. Is that something before Broadway that you're going to tinker with? That one rhyme that always is like, eh, no. No, no. And that that's something that that particular type of thing is something that always bugs me. There's a few there's a few lyrics in shows of mine that have been out in the world that I hate so much, but for one reason or another, I don't change them because it seems like other people like them. Which is not to say that I'm just like, oh, I just want to like please other people. But it's you know, I recognize that sometimes. I'm too harsh a critic. I'm too um, I'm I'm too extreme a judge on my own work, and sometimes I get so hung up on things that I know don't bother anyone else but me. And so I try as hard as I can to be open, to be like, you know what, dude, don't worry about that that one yeah, yeah, yeah. that one lyric. It's not bothering anyone else, and just by and by changing it, you're just going to call attention to it. And so the the the, the lyric I hate in two player game, I'm not going to change because too many people know it. And what's so weird is that a few people have mentioned to me like oh I know what lyric that is in two player game that's not the real rhyme and they always will like tell they will they will uh, recite back to me a rhyme that is a rhyme and then it just makes me feel like no one even knows what rhyme is so why do I bother in the first place and then you're <laughs> like well, that was my favorite rhyme right and no it's like, like- so yeah. now it's all bad. Right. I it's can never, all bad. Yeah, I can never be like, no, that's a good rhyme. No. It's like the rhyme you just, you, you, you told me is a great line. I'm talking about something People else entirely. People can be so disappointing. I know. When they just don't do what we want. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> you now have had, it's, it's rare. I mean, I've told this story before. I did your Good Man Charlie Brown with Kristen Chenoweth and Ooh, really watched the yay. moment that my friend, who remains one of the most glorious humans on the planet, became very famous. Like, I watched the anatomy of fame. I watched people trudge up seven floors to get to her dressing room, which was on the very top floor because that's where her character's dressing room mm-hmm. was. <laughs> um, and I would literally stand on my second floor dressing room with like lemonade and cookies for Spielberg <laughs> and, and Sondheim and everyone. I was like, I know it's far. Would you like to rest for a minute? Uh, let me pat your brow. You want to look great for Miss Chenoweth. Um, and so it was a very interesting thing, right? Like, yeah. and all of us here who know you and love you and, and so many of the people involved in what is called the Iconis family are a part of this ascent that is really uh, a speeding train. And it's an incredibly exciting thing, and I'm sure it's heady and exhausting. Now that you are being asked to write things, not just because you love to write, but now you have deadlines and very grown-up things happening and <laughs> films and just a lot on your plate and, it, mm-hmm. and, and most people want to take advantage. Mm-hmm. If it's happening, you're like, it, 
this is a big moment. Yeah. I want to. So how are you handling writing sort of for pay or under pressure versus just for love? Um, you know, it, what's so funny is that I, I've, what I'm experiencing now as far as the amount of writing and the amount of things that I'm having to do at all times, it's actually not very different from what I've been doing for the last um, however many years. years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, truly. Like, I, I kind of came out of the gate um, with, a, with a work ethic that I think is pretty good that probably came from the, from the fact that I, I don't come from a, a family of artists. You know, I come from a family of, like, really hardworking, um, you know. You know, I'm obsessed with your superintendent mom yeah. of school. Like, obsessed. So yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. You know, like, um, and my, my family are, like, you know, like, they're, like, workers. Like, everyone does a million things and has, you know, these sort of very full lives. And so I, um, I was just like, oh, if I'm going to be a, if I'm going to be an artist, if I'm going to be this thing that feels so like ephemeral and like, oh yeah, I'm a writer, man. Uh, I felt like I, the only thing that I can do to control that is to like work really hard and do as much as I possibly can to, to achieve whatever it is I want to achieve. Right. And so I've, um, the, what that turned into was this whole like Iconison family concert thing and was all of these 10 million shows that some of which are now like come into the forefront. Um, but it's like all of the work that I've been doing for the last, like, you know, whatever it is, 10, 12 years, um, that's that's sort of allowed me to have all of this stuff now when people are finally kind of paying attention. And so, like, the level of, of stuff that I'm having to do now is, is really not all that different. There's just more of it, and it's mm-hmm. all sort of higher pressure. But the actual, like, day-to-day of, like, oh, I got to figure out how to work on, you know, 15 projects in one day, that's something I've been kind of doing for right. years, you right. know? Um, yeah. Except now I'm getting paid for some of the projects, which is great. Yeah, that's the really change. Exciting. That's nice, you know. What do you do when you have writer's block? Do you have any tricks or kickstarts or any any ideas that might help someone else if they find themselves? Yeah, you know, the best thing, um, the thing that uh, Lauren Marcus uh, uh, always says to me is uh, if I'm like hung up on something, she's always like, just leave it, just walk away from it, and come back to it. And so that's the thing that I try to do so hard, but I'm not very successful. I think I'm getting better, but I, I definitely, I have a terrible tendency to get uh, really frustrated when I have writer's block, and I just, like, I do the worst thing, which is like, oh, if I just really concentrate and just really fixate and get really angry yeah. at this get page. Get mad at that paper. Yeah, yeah. that's going to make it better, and it, oh, it never, it never no, does. No, it doesn't, Joe. No. It doesn't. No. I know. So I want to ask you about one song in particular. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, tonight, Joe. Joe Iconis and Laura Marcus are going to perform for us, which is so amazing and crazy, Yay. and we're so lucky. Um, Michael in the bathroom may be, I mean, there are so many things that have to happen for for things to catch fire the way Be More Chill mm-hmm. did, and, yeah. and having that cast recording was extraordinary, and there was video of Michael in the bathroom, so mm-hmm. that also might have helped get it out into the ether. Um Tell me about writing Michael in the bathroom. I was in the bathroom just a few minutes ago, and it was playing, and I was like, <laughs> that's cool. <It's, laughs> that had yeah. never happened before. Yeah. Um, so tell, can you just talk about like the anatomy of that song, which we love so crazy much? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, that song had a very sort of organic birth. You know, it was a song that as soon as I kind of um, dove into Be More Chill as a, as a piece, I um, was like, oh, there should be a song where Michael is alone in a bathroom at this party. Like, it just, it, it sort of immediately presented itself to me as a great moment for a song. You know, and so many times in my career thus far, I've written songs that are like um, sort of really long large explorations of really tiny moments. That's something that I love to do. Uh, and I love to take these little moments that I feel like multiple people have experienced and blow them out so they feel like these big musical theater epiphanies, right? And so um, that it just immediately kind of hit me like, oh yeah, Michael should be sad in the bathroom uh, after he has this fight with Jeremy and, and he should have this huge musical moment that's unexpected because he's the second banana and the second banana in a show like this isn't supposed to have a song like that. Uh, and so so when I finally put pen to paper to write it, it just kind of came very quickly. You know, it's uh, it's a song that I uh, haven't even changed all that much from the first version of it that I wrote. Um, I think the biggest change in that song is that I took out half a verse towards the end. Uh, but other than that, the first um, the first kind of swipe that I took at that song is what people know. You know, and what's so what's so weird about it is that. Um, that's that song before Be More Chill. I would, you know, I, I did it in concerts a few times, and uh, either with me singing or with someone else singing, and it always it always connected with people. But it really, it's like the ultimate example to me of how. Um, you know, like the whole idea of like the Iconis and family stuff is like it's that it's art as a collaboration, right? And I, I think that that art is better when you have this group of people who you really believe in and yeah. and, and you're making stuff together. And so Michael in the Bathroom um, became Michael in the Bathroom because of George Salazar, because of his performance, right? And so it was this song that I, I like the song a lot. I think it's a very good song, uh, if I do say so myself. Um, but it was the combination of that with George Salazar that created something that clearly it was like very special for, for very many people and really is the thing that has allowed us to get where we are um, but that never would have happened if it was just me singing that song and it never would have happened if we you know if we cast that role to river with someone uh, who was in the show because he was famous you know <laughs> or yeah. someone who was yeah. in the show because he was you know musical theater famous right uh, it's was it, it was cast with with George Salazar who was the right person for that part um, who had never done a part like that and uh, and it was you know something magical that's sort of bigger than than the song itself well the iconis family is just filled with unicorns like these incredibly <laughs> gifted beautiful people who have hearts as big as their voices it's really an incredible uh collection and i talk a lot about you and and this front row um because if there's one takeaway it's loyalty and people believe that they can't be loyal and get what they want and i know there have been moments of frustration where you don't get to literally every single time, get everyone you love yeah. in every show, yeah. but pretty much. And uh, if they're available, mm -hmm. pretty much you get to have them. And I just think that's like the most beautiful part of all of it, beyond the talent and, and the glory that is being received. It's um, loyalty and we need that. Yeah, it's definitely by far the thing I'm most proud of about all of this. And um, you know, my greatest hope with, with Be More Chill is that if it 
you know, I mean, the fact that we're going to Broadway is insane, but like, if it, you know, if it, if it does well on Broadway, I only hope that it sort of builds up every other thing that I'm working on and every other person that I'm working with. Yeah, you yeah. You know, and it's like, all I want is to be able to like, be like Lin-Manuel famous so I can write a musical with a hundred people and I That's can right. use a hundred actors who yeah. I really, really love, you know? Yeah. There's just like not enough roles for all the people that I love. And, and you know, for me, like the first part of my career, I, I had, I, I, so much of it was about loyalty and people in the business telling me um, that it was wrong of me to only want to, um, in their words, work with my friends and uh, constantly having to fight this, this, um, this perception of me as being someone who like, you know, just wanted to work with his buddies. Right. Uh, which was always, you know, incorrect because my buddies were like, you know, Annie Golden and like these just, or John yeah. Gallagher Jr., like actors yeah, yeah, who I yeah. were fan, was fans of, you know. Um, and so for me, it's so satisfying um, to know that, oh, I'm, you know, I'm getting to Broadway. It like took a while, but getting to Broadway and I'm, and I'm getting to Broadway with so many people who I've worked with for so long. Yeah. And so, you know, who knows, maybe we'll be open one day, um, which will be fine. But but I, I know that if we are, as long as we make it for one performance, I will be able to say, like, I, I got to Broadway yeah. on my terms and yeah. by being loyal and by not being an asshole, which many people uh, said that could said couldn't be done. So I at least could be like, oh, it can be done for one yes. show. Yeah. Yes. Maybe and even it's happening. two. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't want to uh, I don't want to keep anyone from getting the unbelievable pleasure of having Joe and Lauren sing. I just want to say one thing. You know, I, I always do a very deep dive uh, into the life and, and the world of the person I'm interviewing, and it's been so great because I've gotten to do it a few times now with you. And people keep talking about, in reference to your work, that you're writing about people who feel like they're misfits. Mm -hmm. And I think that the reason your shows, and I got to see you know, the black suits. I've seen so much of your work uh, over the years. I think the truth is, you know, when you described yourself as a younger person, we all feel that way. Like, there's not one person on the planet who walks around going, I fit in perfectly. Like, <laughs> just that's not anyone's middle school or high school experience <laughs> right. or adult experience, even if they are achieving the grades they want or the, or the place on the team that they want. Everyone suffers. Mm -hmm. Everyone suffers, whether it's a personal heartbreak or something at home or, or just yeah. in big and small ways. And so I think the reason these shows resonate is all of us who are like secretly walking around like we fit in, it's a place where we can go, oh man, like no, I don't, <laughs> right? It's like being yeah. part of a huge, you know, global 12-step program where we all get <laughs> to say like, I'm Alana and I'm a misfit. And, um, and you have created show after show where we all get to feel connected in what makes us different instead mm -hmm. of constantly trying to be the same. And the same keeps changing. Like when I was like Bumble, Bagel, what it, like that app is done, right? Like whatever <laughs> dating app I reference. So everything just goes by so quickly. Yeah. And you're creating art that we can constantly find ourselves settling into and going, but this will always reflect what it is to be human and what it is to feel like we're looking for our place and that will just never whatever technology shifts in future productions of be more chill mm -hmm. if the computer starts looking like something else yeah or if we always keep it a period piece 20 <laughs> years from now when it's mm -hmm. revived um like you're just creating a place where we feel safe so thank you thank you all for coming i'm gonna say goodbye now and i'm going to open up the stage lauren marcus can you come here for one second yeah. okay <laughs> so hey. i 
I am sure you are aware that Lauren Marcus, but your dad is just no, left. No, oh, John, John left. Dad. I know. Yeah. He's going to see a chorus line. By the way, the man who just left <laughs> is going to see a chorus line. And we said the only reason anyone can leave early is if they're going to see a chorus line. And he really is. And we saw his ticket. And it's true. Yeah. <laughs> John, true. John Simpkins, director of Black Suits yes. and Love Song. <laughs> And who's Blood been like and, and a real champion. Uh, yeah, yeah. Best director ever. Yes. Yeah. So the great little known fact, if you don't know, is Lauren Marcus, who stars in Be More Chill, is also Mrs. Joe Iconis. Or he is Mr. Lauren Marcus, however you want to look at it. Mr. Lauren Marcus. Mr. Lauren Marcus. Yeah. Um, they are going to perform for us. Give us two seconds just to make everything perfect for them. <laughs> thank you for being here tonight. You are the most glorious, beautiful yeah, thank people. thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for spending Sunday night with little known facts. Um, be right back. Just talk amongst yourself. Yeah. How's everybody doing? <laughs> good, 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 good. I'm getting the crowd warm for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Do you, do you want to talk about this song? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And what it is? Sure. So, uh, Joe and I have done, uh, I would say two runs, but the second run was like one show. Uh, uh, we wrote a show together called Love Letter. It's kind of this tribute to Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash, um, where we're playing these strange fictional versions of them plus ourselves, and it spans about, I don't know, 40, 50 years. And I'd say it's about 85% using the music of Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash, and uh, 15%, I just got scared about doing math in my brain. Um, <laughs> right? 15, 15% yep. um, songs that we wrote ourselves. And so um, we wrote the show together. Um, and then this song um, you're about to hear called Life Will Happen, we wrote together, which is the first song we've ever written together. I'm a singer-songwriter, too. We're different types of writers. But this was actually supposed... <laughs> Uh, this is actually supposed to be we each were like I'm gonna write two songs and this was supposed to be Joe's second song <laughs> that he wrote yeah um, you can jump in do you have something you look like you want to say no I was just being I was being um, I was trying to be visually supportive oh thank to you. you I was like giving you yeah Support, supportive eyes I'm gonna keep talking for one more second great um, and so the show was in about two days and he was like I don't know I don't know what I'm gonna do I don't have time to write this and I kind of was like well I have an idea so I kind of wrote down the idea I had and then he took and he's like oh I have an idea and he kind of like put music to it and changed some things and we worked on it and then this is the song it was, it was a true collaboration it was like yeah. in that, that movie Music and Lyrics with Drew Barrymore yeah it was just uh, like that Hugh Grant yeah I never saw that movie but I imagine that's what they did <laughs> You're just like Drew Barrymore. I'm just like you, Grant. Yeah. yeah. Not the first time I've been told that. <laughs> so do you want to sing it? I do. I do. It's so weird how my, my microphone is. Like, normally I have, like, a boom stand, but this microphone is, like, um, it's really, like, intruding on my personal space. Are you okay to keep going? Yeah, I just, like, wanted to say that before we started the song. This, this isn't part of the song. Yeah. You're good? I'm good. <laughs> <clears throat> I see your brain. I see your brain a-churning, plotting your next move. That same old flame. That same old flame's a-burning. It's got lots of proof. But I promise, ooh, 
I promise, ooh, I promise if you stand here with me I'm getting you, I'm getting you exactly where you're supposed to be Let's take it one step at a time Just sing your songs and I'll sing mine Before we know it, they'll be on their feet And clapping, 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 clapping You can try to force our hand But it'll never go as planned Leave it alone, my love Cause life will happen, happen I know that when I wait it out, I figure out just what to sing. It's all awful then. You're crying and you're looking at your wedding ring. And I promise, ooh, I promise, ooh, I promise now that you're my wife. I am loving you. I'm loving you forever, loving you for life Let's take it one step at a time Just say your vows and I'll say mine Before we know it, they'll be on their feet And clapping, 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 clapping We can try to force our hands But it'll never go as planned Leave it alone, my love, cause life will happen, 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 happen. Then comes the sweet, strange, scary day we learned a baby would be here. And since he appeared, he leads the way, and we just take it year by year by year by year. We'll take it one step at a time. We'll sing him your songs, I'll sing mine Before we know it, he'll be on his feet And clapping, 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 clapping We can try to force our hands But it'll never go as planned Leave it alone, my love, cause life will happen, 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 happen we smart just like we thought or were we foolish heaven knows well you could ask our son or daughter but they're all playing their own shows and so I promise you I promise you I know we did the best we could by letting life by letting life alone and baby it was good Took you one step at a time You sang your songs and I sang mine Before we knew it, they were on their feet And clapping, 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 clapping We can try to force our hand But it'll never go as planned Leave it alone, my love, cause life will happen Leave it alone, my love, cause life will happen, 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 happen. Leave it alone, my love, cause life will happen.
Lauren Marcus. Um, so now I'm gonna do a song just myself. Uh, how is the uh, how is the sound? Can we hear words? Is the piano loud enough? Yeah. Sweet. So listen, this tune is from. Um, uh, the song is from a musical that I'm working on called Love and Hate Nation, and it's a musical. Yay! Yay! Thanks, Amara. It's a romance between two girls in a juvie hall for girls in 1962. And um, this song is a song uh, that is sung uh, by uh, one of the two girls in that romance. And uh, her name is Sheila Nail, and she's the most badass chick in juvie. She's sort of like a 17-year-old female uh, James Dean. And the notable thing about this song, there's a few notable things. Uh, one is that it's a song that should always be sung by like this like crazy amazing actress who's like an incredible actor and an incredible singer and just a really charismatic performer. It should never be sung by someone like me in a VIP booth uh, at the W Hotel, but I'm doing it tonight. Um, yeah, and uh, there's also all of these backup parts in the song, um, which I don't have anyone else to, to sing them with me, but uh, I'm just gonna point to everyone and if anyone knows the backup parts, you should sing them. And if you don't know the backup parts, hopefully you can uh, learn them as the song uh, goes along. The song is also very long. Uh, as I realize that this is sort of like a, there's like a kind of a party vibe here on this floor, uh, I realize this is not a great song to choose to sing here because it's like a really long theater song, um, but that just makes me want to sing it more. So, um, <laughs> so I'm doing it. And um, so this is the song for Sheila Nail. And Sheila, as I said, is this badass chick who uh, is in juvie, and, um, and Susanna Sun, who is the heroine of our musical, she meets Sheila towards the top of the show for the first time, and all the other gals in juvie are like, um, oh, Susanna, Sheila Nail is the most badass, badass person here uh, in Hate Nation, which is the name of the juvie hall, and she is so badass because she has escaped more times than anyone has ever escaped in the history of juvie hall, and, uh, and she Sheila is like, oh, stop, 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 stop. I don't want to talk about it. And Susanna is like, how'd you do it, Sheila? And Sheila is like, no, 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 no. I don't want to talk. I'm too cool to talk. I don't want to talk. And uh, a few of the girls uh, say, tell her about it, Sheila. The first time I tried it, it was late at night. I tied some bed sheets together, tied them up real tight. Tied one end to a drain pipe, threw the other out the window. Oh, uh oh. Look past the edge, 40 feet below. I threw my leg over, thought, here I go. And started climbing down the side of the building, side of the building, climbing right down, right down. Getting looks from the squirrels in the trees and feeling the breeze across my nightgown, nightgown. And I was a few feet from freedom. I was just a few feet from freedom. And then I heard a stop right there. Put your hands in the air. And I knew that my plan was a fail. Well, getting caught is the worst. And that was only the first of the three failed escape attempts of Sheila Nell. Three failed 
failed escape attempts so she lying now. Everybody, three failed escape attempts so she lying now. Now, the second time I tried, it was another day. There were bed sheets involved, but in a different way. I hid inside the laundry bin. You would not believe the things I saw. Waited for hours, thought I was gonna get stuck But then the orderly starts pushing me toward his truck Which meant that we was headed out of the building Out of the building, heading right out Right out I was covered in clothes through a hole in some hose I saw a light sprout Light sprout, I knew I was a few feet from freedom. I was just a few feet from freedom. And then I heard the orderly shout, Look, a foot sticking out. And he lifted off my veil. Oh, the warden was beckoned, and so go the second of the three failed escape attempts of Sheila Nell. Three failed escape attempts of Sheila Nell. Uh huh. Three failed escape attempts of Sheila Nell. So after that, I said, forget the clever plan. I saw an opportunity and I just ran. Got as far as the highway. I stuck out my thumb. A car slowed up and here the warden come. She called me a filthy malcontent and yeah, that was exactly how the third time went. But that ain't really how it happened, it's just what I say. Cause I did get in that car and as it drove away, I thought of where I came from. And I thought of where I'd go. Oh, where am I gonna sleep tonight? I don't know. Got no coin in my purse. Yeah, life was bad at school. Life before it was worse. I haven't been a civilian since 53. And I know the world's changed substantially. Yeah, and school is scary and so unfair. But at least I got a purpose. I'm respected there. Hey, driver, hey, driver, hey, I'm not of age. You Take me back, 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 back to my cage and back to nation I went. Oh, so embarrassingly of my own consent. Last time I tried, it was a different affair. I tied some bed sheets together and I stood on a chair. Tied one end to a drain pipe and the other around my neck. Ah, oh, heck. And without any prep, I took a step and I could feel the air leave my body, air leave my body. It got real tight. 
I never cop to this kind of shit, but I have to admit it didn't feel right. Man, I was a few breaths from freedom, but it didn't feel much like freedom. And then the drain pipe broke, and I let out a croak, and the water rained down on me. Now, I don't believe in signs, but I can read between the lines. So I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. With the rain pouring down inside of the building, pouring right down, right down. Woo! I lit a hidden cigarette as I stood soaking wet in my nightgown. And bars and cages define my freedom, but now I make mine. So I don't do that no more I see a battle, I fight I'm my own shining white knight I might be fucked in the head But hey, at least I ain't dead And babe, I'm gonna prevail By now you oughta derive Because I thought I survived The three failed escape attempts of Sheila Nail Everybody! Three failed escape attempts of Sheila Nail Uh-huh Three failed escape attempts of Sheila Attempts of Sheila Nail. Thanks. Clouds can make the wind blow, bugs can make the grass grow. So there you go. These are little known facts that count. You know. Thank you so much for listening. Do you know there are over 120 episodes of Little Known Facts with Alana Levine at this point? So if you love this one, but you're a new listener, go back to the beginning and catch up. I promise you every episode will shed a light on an artist that inspires you in a whole new way. It is such a pleasure to make this podcast for you. And I hope if you love listening as much as I love making it, that you'll head over to my website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. There's a donation page and truly Any donation, large or small, makes such a huge impact on my being able to make over a hundred more episodes for you guys, so I really, really appreciate it. I record this podcast at the Hangar Studios in New York City. If you ever are interested in making your own podcast or any kind of recording, go to thehangarstudios.com and get more information on how they make the magic happen. Thanks for listening. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.